<laughs> I want two starts for 101. I think it deserves two starts. I'm not an actor. I already did it. I'm not an actor. 28 to 3. What? Hey, 28, 28 to 3. 3. What? 28, 28. What, what? happened? Uh, so you got any good ones? It's episode 101. Oh, since. hey, Cam Newton. It's a good one, That's right? That's a good one. Uh, so we got. 28 to 3. What? Hey, uh, how you feeling? I feel good. How Josh, are you? how you feeling? I feel fantastic. We Never got, better. We got Camille in studio. Camille has been the one that has been responsible for our wonderful cartoons. They've been neat. Uh, they've been really cool. I love that the last one was mostly me. That's yeah. what the show should be. Yeah, it well, should I, be. Yes. I owed you one after the first one that was mostly Sims. Man, my favorite thing about our iTunes comments are always like, oh, this like this is great, this is great, this is great. And then it's like, left go interrupt Sims. And then there's one on the top right now that's like, it's like, Sims is such an idiot. Because it's like what you are. And then it's like, but I can listen to left go, though. Should we read like, some reviews? Out of here. Yeah. The reviews are so funny. Go ahead. Let's read them. I think they're funny. They're always good. I like what we do. Uh, and I'm really excited because you have a notebook full right now of uh, takes on the Super Bowl that you rewatched it, and it's a little more deep dive. We're going to go into that. Um, I guess my first question, do you have any comments you want to go right away? No, not right away. We can get back to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. And then also we'll get to Twitter questions in a little bit. We're going to do a deep dive. I have a lot of stuff to talk about with Hall of Fame because we still need to talk about that. Right. And also some of the awards. We've been predicting awards. Now they came out. But Super Bowl, before you even start reading off information, when you watch the film compared to how we were talking about it on Monday, yes, same game, different game. What did you not realize? Well, same same basic premises. I think that we talked about on Monday that Atlanta's got no one to blame with themselves in a lot of these categories. I mean, I mean, man, they had like eight to ten chances to put the game away. Period. I mean, end it. It's over. We're going on to Super Bowl Fifty Two, but they let them hang around. Uh, I think the big thing though on Monday, I thought just watching the game on TV from that Sunday night was. I thought Atlanta got way too conservative in the second half. They didn't get way too conservative. They did still some cool things coverage-wise, but they got conservative with their fronts and their stunts and being a little different up front where they just got in their basic, your normal positions. Her D-tackle played the D-tackle spots and the DNs played the DN spots, where in the first half they were doing a lot of different creative alignments and really causing some havoc with some like of the what? stunts and movements. What, what were some things you saw that were really cool? Like they might put three of their linemen on one side of the offensive line. So I wrote that down for my thing because Shaq Mason had a big problem in the beginning of that game. Yes, he did. And I thought they were attacking him by putting three on one side and doing what we've always said against the Patriots, which is run against us. Yeah. Look at this lane. Sure. And the Patriots weren't doing it. So they stopped doing that in the second half. They did. For, they definitely got a lot more conservative along that. I mean, they would go like three linemen to the right, uh, a defense end on the other side, uh, you know, three linemen to the right, defense end to the left, and then maybe have a linebacker standing over the, the guard on the left if you're looking at it from the defense's perspective. And then, yeah, the linebacker would drop out into coverage and they would do a little cool stunt inside that made it really hard on New England. Um, I mean, man, they had New England reeling. Like, I've never seen New England reeling before, really, in general. But also in saying that, yeah, they got up a 28-3 lead. But let's not forget, New England did some un-New England things, too, to get to that point. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt fumbling. Tom throwing a pick six was huge. Right. They were dropping passes. Tom missed a few throws that he should hit early on. Some really bad throws. Yeah, so there were some things there. But end of the day, they don't win the Super Bowl unless they have a big-time quarterback and 
like I don't like arm strength. If if you don't have a quarterback that can really throw with arm strength, then there's no way they can come back because Atlanta took away the middle of the field for the most part and basically said, "No, we're going to make Tom Brady make throws." And he threw how many throws did you see him throw to the sidelines with people all over those Second receivers half, I and remember, he stuck I it on their a chest. A ton of throws to Malcolm Mitchell. Right. Uh the big throws to Hogan, uh right. some of the big throws Hogan to dropped Edelman. one to start the second half yes. that was right on par- target, but he made a lot of big time throws. Like Tom Brady, there was about that's where I laugh and people go, well, should James White have won the Super Bowl? Of all the Super Bowls, Tom Brady should be the MVP. It's this one. Of all of them, this is it. This was the best game he maybe ever played in his life. He was amazing in the circumstances. But now they want to give it to James White. If they wanted to give it to somebody else, they should have given it to Julian Edelman for the last Super Bowl and the Seattle mm. Seahawks one where he threw every ball four every yards ball, yeah. and Julian Edelman ran. But now he throws the ball down the field and they don't do anything without him. They want to give it to somebody else. But what is wrong with everyone? So, well, that's the question. Noah, who's a big uh, Patriots fan, says, so what's your big take on the Super Bowl? And I said, now that we're like four days removed, it's amazing to me that everyone in the world watched the same game and yet they don't see what happened. Yeah. And I, I, I hate that it comes off as elitist, like I know how to watch and you don't know how to watch. I think it's more that I don't think people are watching and they're looking at the box score and then they're like trying to come up with a take to be smart. Like I don't understand how a team allowed 25 points in a quarter and a half and we're blaming that team's offense. Yeah, it's that troubling. like if, Like that to me, like th- to see people gravitating towards hot takes instead of just look what happened. Right. I don't know. It's a little crazy. It, it's ridiculous. I mean, you're talking about, yes, a 25-point lead. Uh, a defense that led up 546 yards of total offense and 37 first downs, but they want to blame it on the offense. First of all, listen, I understand the offense takes some of the blame, certainly, uh, but I think watching it back, man, there's so many things I want to say. First of all, yeah, I, where, do, where do you start? I don't even know where I start. I guess, uh, where do you want to start? I mean, that's, that's the big thing. What's there's, the one you're most passionate about? Well, uh, <sighs> let's talk about Kyle. Let's talk about Kyle. I mean, I think if you're going to really dive into it, okay, and I wanted to get this, why we had this here, but we don't right now. Uh, I'm going to pull this up real quick. So, Josh, you might have to kill a few dead seconds here. I can certainly do that. But let me just get to it. But first take, of all, take your time, Chris. for people to – all right, here we go. For people to think – Can that, I ask you a question? Yeah. Did you go into the film and did you go – Maybe I'm wrong about Kyle. Maybe this film is going to show me I, that he made some bad decisions. I was totally objective. I am. I really feel like I'm extremely capable of being objective yeah. no matter what. And I think every time Where you Kyle's, go back and watch yeah, film, right. you go in and go, I was wrong. Or, yes. you know what, I was right. Right. So you went in, and, and I'm sure you were like, let's see what Kyle did. Where the offense really screwed it up to me is not with the lack of running plays. First of all, they couldn't run. That's why I want to get a printout of all their runs in the, in the fourth quarter. I mean – they only broke one run in the second it was half. Like a Tevin Coleman nine yarder. I mean, like other that. than that, they were not running the ball in the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick was smart, and he realized, wow, if they run the ball and run the clock out, we can't win. Did they, they do, sold out to stop the run? Did they do what you said they were going to do midweek and put like High Tower on one side and Nikovich on the other and try and contain they the did. gaps? When they got better in the or run, the they did. They did put them on the edge and they put a Landon Roberts in the middle, but they played a ton of bare front almost the whole second half. Yeah. So they put all their big people. It was five on five right up front. They outnumbered Atlanta in the run game. And if every you're just looking run. at that as an equation and as an offensive guy, you're going, this is a great defensive front to pass against. Exactly right. And 
really, okay, yeah, they had the three and outs to start the second half. They didn't get, you know, but the second drive of the second half, they go right down and score a touchdown, right? So there you go, bam. Now, they, they're up, uh, it's 28-3 to three now. They're up 28-3. to three. Um, New England goes down, gets a touchdown, and make it 28-9. to nine. Atlanta gets the ball back, right? We know what happens. This is the drive where he gets sacked and fumbled on third. First of all, it wasn't third and one. It was a long third and two. It was a long third and two. So people like to say third and one because that sounds easy on TV. But no, it was realistically a third and two. And a third and two where first down they ran for nine yards. Second down, they got smashed and were lucky to only lose one. So So they ran it twice. They ran it twice. Third down, they're going to throw the ball. And... They're going to win the game. The game is over. It's all over. Belichick is selling out to not let them throw a short pass. And he puts everybody at the line of scrimmage with no safety deep in the middle of the field. So they make it look like they're going to blitz everybody. But what he really does is he just blitzes five, right? There's only five rushers. And then he has double coverage on Julio. So there's six guys left, right? Five are rushing, six guys left. He has double coverage on Julio, and then he has a linebacker looking for short crossers to stop the third and two pass. So there you got it. I don't know what Devontae Freeman's looking at. All he has to do is look at his assignment, which is the Dante Hightower, and if he just walks in his way and, and just lets Was him fall over him. Was there something open? Something open. He's going to throw a touchdown to Aldrick Robertson for 70 yards, and the game will be just over. Just wide open. Wide open. He they put Malcolm Butler man-to-man on an island with no safety help, nothing, no center fielder. The entire field the behind The whole him. field, and he fakes an inside release on Malcolm Butler, goes outside. He's the inside of three receivers. He goes Now he's going on outside edge of Malcolm Butler. He fakes to the post and runs a corner route, and he's gone. And that's who Matt Ryan's getting ready to throw to. It's gone. He's going to be a touchdown. They're going to win the and Super that, Bowl. And he was actually doing that motion he's to throwing throw it there, the ball and to him. Hightower hit him in that motion. Hits him, and he's not expecting to be hit because he should be So blocked. it went from a touchdown to the Falcons and the game legitimately being over and the Falcons being the greatest offense that we've ever the seen. The game is over even if they punt it there. They're going to have a hard time coming back to win the game. But instead, they get the ball like inside the 25. Exactly right. And then the Patriots go down and score. Exactly right. So that is unbelievable. That that this, is this is what we've learned about football right. this season. Right. Is it really is they say it's a game of inches. It's really a game of like milliseconds. Oh, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's just there's wide open. Like were you like sitting there watching the film like with your mouth on the I floor? I knew a little because on TV and then on highlights. Yeah, but the I've pro- seen that's it. a problem with the Fox TV. Yes, I know. But I could see when they showed like the behind the angle of him getting hit, I kept going. Man, whoever that is looks like he's behind it. I don't see a safety back there. Yeah. So what did they do? So and Bill, yeah, put you know his, Fox was showing like eight million reactions. Bill put his balls on the table too. So when you say that you Can don't know what draw, you want to draw balls on the table. Uh, <laughs> when you say that you don't know what Devontae Freeman was looking at. Yes. What does that mean? Was he supposed? Was this a play he's blocked a million times before? Was he confused by something he saw? Now the they Patriots? had a lot of people at the line of scrimmage because they were trying to stop. So the he might have been pass. confused. He he obviously is confused because when the ball gets snapped, he looks to his left across the formation for some reason. Yep. And then when he looks back, Dante Hightower is already a step by him. So and, it's over. And at he that notices. Point. He knows. He's like trying to run after him. Like oh yeah, gosh. Yeah, yeah. And it's a sack fumble. And then then then, then that's it. So now okay. So it's twenty eight. That was at 28-13, to 13, I believe. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. because they kicked the field goal, right? Yes. So now they go down – twenty. they make it 28-12. They catch the, make the touchdown to make get a two-point conversion with the fake snap, right? Yeah. And he, the running back runs up the middle. So it's Love 28-20, okay? And they get the ball back. 
Okay. This is the Devontae Freeman dump off and the Julio Jones. Right. Drive. So there. Oh, so wait. I thought we were supposed to run the ball, but the, see, the Devontae Freeman dump off for fifty was okay. That was okay. Twenty. You're allowed to throw yeah. it there. Yeah. But not. You know. Hey. Not. But when it doesn't work, then you're not allowed to throw it. So that's what drives me crazy. There comes my man Hershko, bitch. Here he is. That's what I wanted. What did you get? the man. I wanted, first of all, where they started their – we'll get into this, but where yeah. the Falcons started their drive Sims for the game. some research. I dig it. Um, all right, so anyway, the big dump off to Devontae Freeman where they forgot. Did Alandon Roberts save a touchdown there? Uh, it would have been – no, I don't think it would have been a touchdown. Okay. Uh, but he probably could have gone another 15 or 20 yards. Okay. There was, there was DBs in hot pursuit. Okay, so – now I got this. So here we go. They get that. Play action pass. Freeman. Huge play. Second play. They run for one. Third play. Uh, so that was first and ten. They run for one. Now it's second and nine. Third play is what? The Julio catch, right? Because first of all, I think they have a run play called, but there's seven guys at the line of scrimmage. And Matt Ryan goes, no, we can't run it to this. We're going to lose yards. And they just ran for one yard, luckily, because at this point of the game, they are getting abused up front. I don't really think – I think that's being lost in translation. What do you mean? They're getting abused. Here's their second-half rushes. Freeman for minus three. Coleman for five. Coleman for no game. Freeman for nine. Freeman for minus three. Coleman for eight. Coleman for one. Freeman for two. Freeman for negative one. Oh, they're really running the ball with great success. I mean, half those are negative runs. And the ones that were for one and two yards were great runs. Like, there was nothing there. And Freeman just made a guy miss to get a yard or two. Yeah. So, there, so the, the, the run game thing has to be pumped the brakes on that. So, now you have the third play, Julio catch, right? Fourth play. What a catch, by the way. Which was I amazing. I thought his toes were going to break I off. mean, that was amazing. Uh, his, his foot just, like, shot up in the air. Fourth play, they do the toss crack, which was really the only success they had running, the toss with people blocking down from the edge. I texted you guys about that. Yeah. I, they did that a lot in the first they half. They did it a lot. That was their big run. It was two wide receivers on the left side of the line. They would crack in on the defensive end and just kind of create a mosh pit that their speedy running back. Because they were in the side. bare front, and yes. he said, so let you, me pin all these people you inside. You set the edge with the receivers. Exactly right. And great, great job. But now New England's seen it like five times, yeah. and they're like, well, we got these big MFers on the It was the first the play of the game. Devontae Freeman took one of those. Toss crack, yeah. right. They only really had success on the zone cutback run like once the whole game. It was Devontae uh, Freeman again. I think it was. Yeah. You're exactly right. So now, okay, they get that play, the toss crack, for minus one yard. That, that was first and ten. Now it's second and eleven. First, this is where they made a mistake. This is where my this friend is, Kyle and is This is where I said this is the only play that I thought he made a mistake on. And not even the play. First of all, let the play clock run all the way down. They what snapped the about? ball in like 10 or 15 seconds. But it's Atlanta, and this is what they've done. They're going to keep the pressure on you. Yeah. They're not going to let you sit there and hunker in. So, okay, whatever. Let the play clock run down. But they don't do it. So then the fifth play, yes, is the sack that you're talking about. Yes. Right. And listen – Matt Ryan, you'd like him to know to throw the ball away. Was there anything There's there? There's nothing open. Nothing, and Trey Flowers comes out of nowhere. He's not expecting it. He's really just going first read. He's going to his second read and looking, and all of a sudden Trey Flowers is in his face, and he's going, oh, gosh, i got to get out of the way, and right. he can't get out of the way. Right. He, he dominates Alex Mack, so that's fifth play. And then the sixth play is, again, the throw. You get the holding on Matthews. Sanu, yeah. Right. Nine so they're, they're going to be a yep. I mean, if they kick a field goal there, the game is over. The game's over. It is over. I mean, realistically, unless New England has to kick an onside kick and recover Yeah, but it. that would be. They had three timeouts at that time. So, But, again, I just go, they weren't running with success, what everybody thinks. And I just look at it and also go, 
you know, if they decided to just run the ball the whole second half and do that kind of offense, we'd all be going, you can't be conservative against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. You know they're going to come back. And, so but yet now they're aggressive, and it's, oh, that's too aggressive. Yeah. So there, you can't win. That's what we talk about, like Odell Beckham Jr., all that. You can't win sometimes unless you win. If you don't win, you're going to get second guess no matter what. It's the truth. Yes. Here, to take that even a point further, yep. when you win, it wasn't just you. It was a team game. <laughs> but when you lose, you lose. You did like it. you, it's all on you. Right. It's unbelievable. Yes, it is. Um, all right, that was the other thing. I mean, the other thing that jumped out to me for Atlanta starting, just here, here's where their starting field position is for the game. I think it's worth talking about because, again, it goes into the brilliance of Bill Belichick and what they do. He realizes, man, this offense is good. Let's pin them in there. And they're kicking those high kicks and doing all that. But Atlanta's starting field position, own eight, own 12, own 29 after the LeGarrette fumble, right? Own 38, own 19, own 15. They get the ball at the New England 41 after the, the onside, onside kick. kick, which, again, is another spot you go, man, they got no points in that series. They got none. They got sacked at the end of that on a third down in that series and got no points. So they got like a minus run, and then he got sacked on third down. And then they went own 27, own 10, own 11. Um I just, just backed up the whole backed time. up pretty much the whole game. Wh- where do I want to go from here? Where do you want to go from here? What did you see about Brady? I mean, <sighs> do you feel better getting all that off your chest? It's just a lot. Like this is a. It's just. It's frustrating. It's. It was. Was there awesome. anything that surprised you? Um, I think uh, along that long as, as far as Atlanta's offense versus the the New England defense. Um, Nothing really surprised me. They did a good job of doubling Julio in the right situations. I mean, Julio was doubled on the amazing catch. Yeah. He was doubled on an in-cut that he caught over the middle, if you remember. Yep. He was doubled on a deep out the next very play. So they doubled him and tried to take him away. Uh, and then, Do you believe that, that Julio is the best wide receiver in the NFL right now? Oof. He is. Oh, he is. He you're is. you're a prisoner of the moment, so I can't really. I'm not listen a prisoner of the moment. I mean, you, you you said Aaron Rodgers is the greatest thing you've ever seen. And you came in Monday and you're like, that's it. Tom Brady's the best quarterback I've ever seen. So you've been preaching to everybody on Facebook Live that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback you've ever seen for the last five weeks. But he then is. you changed your tune Monday morning. There is a uh, difference between the greatest quarterback in terms of talent and then the greatest quarterback overall. Right. That's what I'm saying. I, like, I agree with you. I think Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback of all time. Yes. He's the guy I would want to play. It's also not Aaron Rodgers' fault that he doesn't get to be in those situations because sure. his team stinks. But that was the greatest, like, in terms of the position. But, yes, listen, whatever. Julio's but, awesome. But I look at Julio with Odell, and I just see Julio push off guys. Like I, like, I see Odell kind of get pushed around a little bit. I don't see Julio drop balls. I think if Julio was in that offense this year, I mean, if Odell was in yes. that offense this year, also, Odell would have better stats than Julio. And also, if Odell was in the league five more years like Julio, it would right. be different. Right. It could be. But exactly. I'm saying right now, though, I think Julio's right Julio's now. amazing. It He's doesn't amazing. even matter. Amazing. And I get you're, you're fine to have Did that Did anyone – I'm just going to keep asking you questions because yeah. you have so many notes. Right. Anyone's – Personal performance really disappoint you either side of the ball. Uh, I comes to mind. Jalen Collins comes to mind. He was a little iffy, right? Okay. Like um, there's the 
There's the yeah. There was a few plays that were there for him to stop the play from any yards after catch, or they threw a ball into the flat to uh, James White the one time, and he caught it at like the three yard line, and then finagled his way in yes. in the end zone the first time. Like they had the perfect defense there. Jalen Collins should have hit him upon catching the ball, mm. and it should have been a gain of zero. But instead, he was a little late to react and a little lazy. But overall. Jake Matthews would be the other guy. He was really bad. He got held. He got dominated at times. Yeah. Uh, that was certainly an issue. He would probably be the second guy that came to my what mind. What about guys that you went, oh, shit? Well, I mean, oh, shit. Oh, by the way. Yes. We are now no longer bleeping curses Good. on the podcast. Good. I hope this is okay with everybody. I like it. I, I put hope. up a big stink. If we offend any of our listeners, please tweet in. We can talk about it. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to Ira. Ira manages the cook shop that I go to all the time. Right. And, he go, and he's, been, he's just started listening to the podcast. Okay, cool. And uh, he, he likes it. He goes, I just got one question. Why do you bleep out the curses? Right. I said, ooh, give me a re- Tell me why so I can bring it to producer Josh. I love how Lefko needs Ira at the cook shop to give him a reason. <laughs> like, he can't just come, come talk to me. I do. So I, Ira <laughs> goes. good. I'll listen Ira, to Ira. Ira goes, Ira goes, what are you, trying to get four-year-olds to listen to it? They <laughs> fucking curse. He goes, I listen to a lot of per- podcasts. They all curse. I was like, I like that, Ira. Thank you. <laughs> this is great. That's this all. Is but that's all the momentum I needed. Yeah, to good. You just needed a little jump start. Get him, Lefko. Get him. And cursing all over the place. I was surprised. All right, let's just talk Pat's offense versus Falcons defense. Yes. All right, first of all, I was surprised the Pat's O line got overpowered a little bit. That would be my first thing. So Shaq, did he play like Shaq, did he get dominated the whole game? I mean, not the whole game, but all of them took their turns. But Shaq certainly gave up the sack to Courtney Upshaw, which was a hard thing. I because, forgot Courtney Upshaw was on the team. Man, he that was. I mean, Courtney <laughs> Upshaw played balled out. Courtney Upshaw, Babino, Grady, Grady Jarrett, Jarrett, Dwight Freeney, Hageman, Brooks Reed really played phenomenal football, especially for the amount of the field the time they were on the field. Yes, Vic Beasley definitely was not a factor. Uh, so we learned. So the Camille cartoon, we were going to learn if, if Vic Beasley's the uh, top-tier pass rusher. He's not there. No, he is not there. You're exactly right. And that's right. okay to say. It is okay. It's He's second, in second year. year. Still had an awesome year altogether. Yeah. Uh, I love the Falcons' approach on defense. I mean, what they did in the first half, where we talked about the different alignments up front, being creative that way, but they were really creative with their coverages. They did things that New England certainly was not prepared for. Uh, they did a good job of mixing up certain mans, but creative man coverages to where, oh, we're not going to expect our slot corner to chase Julian Edelman across the formation. No, they would have like another safety dropping down and be like, no, I got him from here. You gotcha. stay there now. Wait for the next guy in your area. We always talk about how the Patriots offense showed the holes in the Seattle defense for years to come. Yes. Any chance any of these Falcons coverages could go into how to defend the Patriots first half wise. Yeah, I would I would think that listen, it's something I saw back in the Rex Ryan days. Yeah, they did they played areas more than they play the guy, right? Just play areas and they took away the areas that Brady likes to get a lot of easy completions on. Mm. I think that was the big thing. And they did a good job of always like, oh, there's a three man bunch over here. They didn't go three on three. They never let it be three on three basketball. They went five on three. They mm. went four on three. I, I one of the things I wrote down the best thing they one of the best things they did more times than not is they had seven on five. It was seven in coverage versus your five receivers, and they had an extra guy dropping down in the right and they area. They just only rushed four, and they only rushed four. And then a few times they did rush three, and they had eight on five or eight on four. And they were did, they able to? How were they getting pressure with the four? That was the different alignments. That was a lot of the different alignments. Of course, they were fresh. 
Uh, but yeah, they just they they played good football in general. I mean, Jared up Grady Jared up the middle with that speed, his ability to do stunts, uh, with whether it was Hageman or Babineau, yeah, they're an athletic group, and they they gave them fits. Um, you know, there's so many things early on. Of course, um, we talked about the interception, the fumble. Those are un-New England-like things. Uh, and then here we are. New England's down twenty-one to nothing, and I mean they. The Martellus Bennett tit oh pass. That's on that drive. I mean, that's you see a plays like that. First of all, Brady is look like he's getting ready to throw it to Julian Edelman, and he looks like he's getting ready to throw an interception to Allen. Oh, that's who you think the ball was going. Yes, to. Yes, he's covered really well, and Ricardo Allen's right there reading Brady's eyes. And I'm telling you, if he throws to him, it's going to be a bang. He might get it in there, but it's going to be bang bang. And instead, the ball goes flying in the air. Martellus Bennett catches it right in stride. They get a first down. But those were those were plays where I just started to go, "Oh wow! Like how that's unbelievable." Twenty-one to three, and they have them flustered. They come out in the second half and are still being creative. They haven't gotten to like conservative mode yet. Yeah, that first drive they stopped them. Yeah, right away. right, right away. And I think they stopped them in the first two drives. I think because I think it was, or maybe it was just one. But regardless, they're still doing good things. And now it's twenty-eight to three. And Tom and them got the ball, and this is where I just go. They're they're unbelievable, the New England Patriots. I mean, first of all, they go for it. Uh, Talk about Bill Belichick's balls. Yeah, I mean, they're just gigantic. Why has Bill got bigger balls than the rest of football? That's what I don't really understand. I mean, Bill was going down with a fight. Period. He was like, "Oh shit, we're done. We're in trouble. I want you to jump over the field goal unit, and we're going to bring out every damn thing I brought in the history of football." So they're down. It's fourth and three. So what else other than jumping over the field goal unit, onside kicks, onside kick, Edelman pass, Edelman pass. How about like Statue of Liberty play to end the game? Um, how about annexation of Puerto Anorexia, Rico? Whatever you want to call Anorexia. it. Anorexation. Anorexation. And how about the high kicks that made Atlanta keep catching the Pooch ball to one or two yard yeah. line? Again, he just takes it to another level. Could that become a staple in the NFL next year? I mean, that Pooch should kicks? be. That's that's something that I know we've talked about when the, the rule first got in and put in play. But but the big thing is there he is down twenty eight to three, and he literally on his own forty six goes, "This is it. This is the game. It's fourth and three. We're going for it right here. We're yeah. going to either win. We're either going to give our chance to win or we lose right here and we get blown Put it out. Down the line. All the chips to the middle of the and table. And he throws a little out route to, I think, uh, Amendola to get the first down. And he breaks a tackle and he gets up, gets the first down. Yeah. Um, so that is, that is unbelievable to me. And then on that same drive is the Edelman pass, right? Which is, I mean, that was the play before. Excuse me. That was the play before he went for it. So he told his offensive coordinator, do something crazy here. Go ahead. Go for it. You're going to go for it on fourth down. They do the Edelman pass and then come back the very next play and convert the fourth down. Man. And this is where Brady gets on fire. I mean, this is really where he starts going, oh, I got to stop worrying about these concepts over the middle of the field. They're giving us one-on-one outside. I know they're all over our guys, but I'm just going to stick it in their chest and either they catch it or it falls to the ground. And... Um, now it's 28 to nine. They go down, they get that touchdown 28 to nine. And, um, uh, they're still, I mean, that was the 28 to nine. That was still the play Edelman. Oh, that was, I gotta say, so it's 28 to nine. They're going to settle for a field goal. They did have Edelman. He had, this is one of his misreads of all game 28 to nine. He gets sacked 
and they have to kick the field goal to make it 28-12. But on that third down, he had Edelman down the middle of the field for a wide-open touchdown, but he missed him. He's kind of looking to his left, and before he could really get back to Edelman and probably get a good look for it, he, he was getting hit. Um, I know I'm rambling here. You are. I know. It's a lot of it. Uh, it is. It's kind of good, though. But I, No, th- we're getting to see. Because then you sit down, and you're, it's like relearning the game. Yeah. You're retaking it in. Yes. And you've, it's incredible how each moment builds on itself. Yes. And then that leads to – that's why it's funny to think about, man, you messed that one play. It's like, dude, there was an entire game leading to that play. So, I mean, it, it is, this is the ultimate – Like, This man. is just a window into Sims' brain for Time people. out. So did you know that Sims got to see his parents on the game film? Your parents? Where they're on the, they they're on the sitting field? below the clock, where they go to the clock between the game oh, film every that's time. So funny. And I could see my dad and my mom because they're sitting there at like the fifty yard line, like about I don't know forty. Were rows you up. at all worried that they would show them and they'd be like making out or something like that? No, no, no. My parents <laughs> don't make out. I know that. I don't know when the last time my parents have kissed. Who knows? I don't know the last time my parents made out. Um. All right, Bruce but, Sharon. Tweet into the show. Tweet it. Let us know when's the last time you guys touched tongues, Bruce and Sharon. French kiss. I don't want just pecking. I want yeah, French I kiss. I, I want to know, but I don't want to know. <laughs> um, no, I don't want to know. <laughs> but 28 to 12, now they've gotten the sack fumble, right? And they got the ball. And even saying that, Atlanta's still giving them a tough time. They're not in, like, conservative Why mode Why do I yet. feel like you're talking about this game differently than you've talked about other games? I, I, don't, I don't know because I get to do a deep dive and I didn't have to watch 14 ga- 16 games and I only but, got to watch one. But I mean like it sounds like it was legitimately surprising or some of the most entertaining film in terms of like an X and O's perspective. Yes, I love games like this because Atlanta went in the game going we can't run the same defense or we're going to lose for sure and they tried different shit out. And they fucked New England up for two, two and a half quarters. So they were like, what the hell? So is we that film where you're like sitting there and taking a lot longer to figure out what the hell they were doing? Yeah, or, yeah I'm definitely appreciating everything they're doing a little bit more. I'm going back and going, let me see what he's doing. Oh, man, this so is So this cool. is the opposite of watching Green Bay Giants. Yes, exactly right. The opposite. This is a chess match that's going on right here. And I'm also going, man. Was it the best film at, you've watched all, all year? Well, it was most fun just because of the circumstances, the game, the, the, the quality. I meant from an X's and O's Man, perspective. Man, yes, because you got to also see New England in a position they're not normally in, and you saw Bill go, okay, we're going to have to take some chances, and I'm, not, I'm Bill Belichick. I don't like to take crazy chances, uh, yeah. especially on defense, but we got to do crazy shit right now have if we want to come back. Have you seen him do this many crazy things in a game? Over the years, look, we had a flea flicker last game. We had the Edelman pass against the Ravens. Right. But have we ever seen this many in one Not game? to where he just went for it, like where he was literally in, his back was against a wall, and he was like, no, I have to stop this third and three or we can't win, and he had to go for it. That was where everything, and he sold out everything. Now, normally, you get upset when people sell out for things. Yeah, but this was different because they were desperate, and then they couldn't afford another first down or any clock more or more. You left this game with the most respect going to what person? Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom Brady. And you went with most disappointment going to what person? Probably Dan Quinn. Yeah, but even though I like Dan, coached even a better game than I thought, just watching it on TV. I still stand by. Well, I'll get to it in a second. So I'll the get, simplicity of the defense well, in the second half. It, the second half, it's it's get it, to it. Yeah, I mean, you're you're playing in a game where you're you're now getting a little conservative because the game's getting close, and you're going to let him dink and dunk, and you need to just create a play 
blitz, do something crazy to where you create a sack fumble or maybe an interception, or they score a quick touchdown, but none of the, nonetheless your offense gets back on the field right. to play. That was one of the big problems. The offense just couldn't get in a rhythm this game because of the pick six, because of some of the long drives New England had. Lady Gaga. Right, all of it. So it was really hard. But now it's 28-12 to 12 to just go back where we are. They get the sack fumble, and here we are. It's third and 11. And Brady makes another unreal throw outside the numbers to a covered receiver and just sticks on his chest. So, again, I, I, what I want to say right away when I see things like that, and this is like the fifth throw of Brady like this, I want to go, yeah, arm strength doesn't matter. That's right. I know. It's overrated. Because the greatest quarterback ever has a 100-mile-per-hour fastball still at the age of 39, but it doesn't really matter. It's overrated. He, he's only playing because he can still throw it really hard. And he's – and really, you had to be a great thrower to win this game. And really, Brady, he, he showed that, like, no, I'm a great thrower. Um, so they do that. He makes that first down. Then they go down. They get the touchdown. It's 28-20. And um, they're, I write down, like, it's 28-20. Covered's still good. They're getting too basic up front. But the coverages are still semi-creative. They're not going crazy. They're playing a little off. But, right. but still doing some interesting things where they're going, Tom's not like sitting back there going, oh, I know this coverage for yes. sure. Um, Brady, again, on third, third down, he made so many big throws, these slot out routes, because they, when they played some two-man and things like that, he hit Edelman and Hogan on throws uh, that are 15, 20 yards down the field on the opposite hash going out of bounds that were amazing. Um, but... At the end of the day, I think that's what I take away from it more than anything is they just wore them out. He made some unbelievable throws, like another third and 11 throw down. You remember the third and 11 throw down the middle to Edelman yes. on the last drive when they're yes. going down the score? I mean, that was a fucking laser. It was a freaking laser beam. I mean, it really was. Uh, and it was a big-time read and balls to throw it, all of that. Uh, I just I think Brady literally played an unbelievable game and then they get into overtime, and overtime, first third down, he makes another unbelievable big out route throw to you know one of those guys. I didn't write down their names. But then I get into overtime, and I go, man, your defense has been on the field at the all, all the end of the second half, and now they got the ball in overtime, and they're driving on you. You got three timeouts. Call a freaking timeout. Call two timeouts. Call what three. Do even, what do you even need the timeouts What, what are you for? worried about? Rest your defense. Your defense is dead. They're tired. Come up with a new plan of attack, whatever it may be. So that's what I took away from overtime that I was just yeah, like. after each play, before that third down, timeout. Yes, right. That's a good – I've never thought about so that. So that, that would be another area You're I would right. look at in general. But you take it down to a degree, I, I think just in the <laughs> simplest forms, Brady was amazing to keep the composure at that moment. Belichick – and his ability to push the limit, whether it was with defensive stuff, offensive stuff, the pooch kick on special teams, the onside kick, the why did the Atlanta Falcons line up for the onside kick when they was 28 to 20 and there was six minutes left in the clock with three timeouts? They weren't going to kick an onside kick then. And then he kicked it deep and they don't have good field position. Yeah. So there's just little things like that. You look at it in general. Atlanta's going to be sick, really I think Atlanta's done. 
They're, with, the, with the coaching hires that I'm seeing, yeah. and we're going to kind of get into that now. Yeah. So Steve Sarkeesian, and they they fire the defensive coordinator, but I don't think that was a big deal. It kind of sounds like Dan Quinn had his hands all over it. Right. Um, Brandon Lewis at blu nine two one tweeted in just a few minutes ago. Are all these new hires for Atlanta a good move or are they a stretch? They're fucking awful. They're not my favorite. That's for sure. Yes. It's there's a lot of question marks in, in my mind. Excuse me. You're excused. Yeah. I just. Um, you think, yeah, he's a, you think he's a West Coast offense guy? I do. I think he's a little basic West Sarkeesian. Coast offense. And now they have talent, and they could probably weather the storm a little. Um, and maybe if they change what they – if they play more defense like they did in the Super Bowl where they change coverages and, and aren't so predictable that Seattle scheme, then that can maybe give them a chance. But, uh, yeah, they're certainly losing their biggest weapon on their whole football team in Kyle Shanahan. All right, and then saying that, is there anything else you guys want to ask me? I know I talked a lot there. I'm sorry. That was good. Don't apologize. You want know, the Twitter uh, questions? Was there anything there that you you wrote capital letters or exclamation points I mean, or just curse words? Like I just wrote. I mean, Hightower had one of the greatest games of his career. He was amazing. Um, really, and uh, what's his name? Trey Flowers was amazing as well. I mean, he's mm-hmm. another guy I looked at and just said, "Wow!" I mean, he made so many good quality football so plays. So they so Belichick chose Dante Hightower over. Collins, Jamie Collins, one of the best games of his career, yep. and he chose uh, Flowers over Chandler Jones. Yeah, exactly one right. One of the best games of his career. No doubt. Yes, Man. I know. I went through, and I was looking at uh, over the cap, and the Patriots spent the least money in football this past year by $30 million. Like, the gap between them and 31st was $30 million, Jeez. and the Jets spent more than double the amount the Patriots spent. And so I, I'm, I'm sitting here, and I'm going, the Patriots win the Super Bowl, they spent the least money to get there, and every other franchise is really tr- like they're they're trying to spend money. You know, they're trying to do it. Yes, you just don't have him. No, they don't. They don't have him. Exactly right. Uh, he got the entire city of Boston chanting, "No days, no off. days off." Unbelievable, because there is there's no days off with him. But he. He is the kind of guy that That's would, when he, he says, would get in front of a school and go, broccoli, broccoli. <laughs> like, he, he is just pitching to them the most basic things ever. Like, when he goes, we're already five weeks behind, right? Yeah. What he really means is, now I'm only five months and one week ahead of you. That's what he means. On our last show, you said two months. I mean, whatever it is. He's, he's done with the draft for this year. And if I know Bill Belichick. How long, okay, so already, he looked like he was celebrating the parade. Right. What do you think? Do you think he watched film after the parade? I, I, knowing a Bill, he might have watched film of that game on the plane ride back. I mean, just to put it on. But what do you think he, like, is that day or two days or whatever it is of release, is that enough for him? Do you think? Do you think it like builds up? Yeah, I don't even know if he gets released there. I think his release is the fact that he's won another championship, and that just justifies it all for him to go. I I grinded on this day last year, and I we're going right do back it to it again. Year. Let's do it again. Yeah, I don't. He's a curmudgeon. It's naturally in him, so it's just nothing for him. His br- his sons are in there curmudgeon with him, so he's got nothing to r- hurry home for. And it was really interesting to be in here on Monday and to hear people getting angry with the Patriots. They're sick of the Patriots. And I, you know me, I always get like philosophical with why do we feel hatred towards something? And I think the Patriots make us all realize how flawed we are mm-hmm. because 
they don't take days off. They are constantly focusing on that. They don't dwell on the past or get obsessed about the future. They do what they're supposed to do every day. And we look at ourselves and go, that's not realistic. It's really really hard to do that. Yes, it is. I mean, it's hard. If, If I said... Josh, I need three days. Now, you're a special case, too, because you're a weird bird. Thanks, man. If I said three days in a row, do everything perfect. Wake up, don't hit the snooze button. Eat exactly what you're supposed to. Cook for yourself to save money. Very Go difficult. to work and, and do this. Give up your seat on the train. Give money to the homeless. Go and volunteer. Like Do everything in life that you would be seen as like angelic. And then you'd be like, I can't do this every day. He, they do it every day. Yeah, but it's the football. It's not the yeah, life. Yeah, they take off. Yes, they, right. Yeah, they don't, they don't focus on Life actual. is not actually important. <laughs> there is no life, but the way they approach their work is to be envied, and it's unmatchable. So you think it is rooted in an ego? A little bit, yes, I do. You think the legacy matters so much that they don't focus on the legacy, but they know that they're building it. They know they're building it, and I also think they look at it and just, I think, without... I think like a lot of successful people, they think that the way they're doing it and that they're they're better at it and they're better than most of the people that they're competing yeah. against. And they want to make sure that everybody knows about it. They're not going to brag about it because the rings and the trophy are just going to say it all. But yeah. yeah. It's funny. I just read an article today about the uh, 1980 U.S. hockey team. Yes. And it was talking about Soviets and how they didn't lose a hockey game for like 12 years and they came in, they just ransacked people, and the motivation of her Brooks was, I'm going to make all the guys on this team work so hard that they're going to hate me, and then we can channel that energy together yes. and put it on there. And all he yelled during the entire game was, play your game. And when you think about it, it's like, it's the same thing as Belichick. All the guys hate him. They hate him, but they love him because they love him because they hate him. It's good and bad and yeah. positive and light and dark. Uh, and then they were able to take, but it's going to require that to beat the Patriots. Yeah. Like, I and don't. At least Bill's the same guy. Do you think that too. we could That's ever have another Patriots built? Or is he that special? I think he's that. I think this is a, listen, this is, we're seeing Vince Lombardi in person right now. This is it. It's just this so is, then we can see him. Again. Yes, but it might be this fifty is a years. Reincarnation. Right, it just might be fifty years. That's what we're saying. But like Vince Lombardi dominated the sixties and you know late fifties there, and Belichick's doing the same thing. We're seeing the same exact person who's winning. You know, Vince Lombardi had to win NFL championships, right? Because there was no Super Bowls there first. But, I know. Tell me about. Okay, this. but they won like what eight or something like that. Yeah, they lost and, that nineteen sixty one to the Chuck Benerick and company Eagles. Yeah. Um, but I, I think all those points are are exactly. I mean, you're you're right. I mean, and and he's easy to live with as a so, player because he's the same guy every day. Yeah. And of course, his detail, the results, and what we always say. I mean, they're the ultimate four quarter football team. Nobody wants to believe it. Everyone just thinks so. We're going to go out there and play hard for four quarters. You know what? That's great. But Bill actually practices what he preaches and. Bill's team, New England runs, they're still running sprints and gassers in week 17 and the first divisional round of the playoffs where everybody else in football is going, well, we're in football shape. We don't need to run after practice anymore. Um, And that's why you see them going hard still in overtime and one team dying out. You have more Twitter questions? No, I was going to say you did a great job. You answered pretty much every question that we got. From okay. I was like checking questions off as we went, but you really hit on everything. So, um, so thanks to everyone for submitting them. That yeah, was great. 
Uh, Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Fucking T.O.'s not in again. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. It's a flawed system. Jason Taylor, LaDainian Tomlinson, Kurt Warner, Morton Anderson, Terrell Davis, Kenny Easley, and Jerry Jones. Uh, the names that were finalists that didn't get in. Uh, Brian Dawkins was a first-timer, didn't get in. Alan Fanica, T.O., the two second-year guys that weren't in. Isaac Bruce, Ty Law, Kevin Mawai, mm-hmm. uh, John Lynch, Tony Baselli, Joe Jacoby, and Don Coriel has been eligible for 30 years and still hasn't gotten in. Um, I, so let's say you have to take someone out. T.O.'s in. Who are you taking out? Terrell Davis? Kurt Warner? I'm probably taking Kurt Warner out. I, I don't... I mean, it, it's crazy that it's a process where sports writers go up there and, like, pitch these guys. Right. Like, you're if you're all these all-knowing sports writers... Do the fucking research yourself, and then just vote. Why? What? What is this whole pitch thing? If there about? are these all these knowing sports writers, then why did they make Khalil Mack All Pro at two different positions two years ago when he only played one position? That 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 would be where I'd start. Because they're not all knowing. And if they're all knowing sports writers, why did Seth Stefan Kerr or whatever his name Steph Curry. Steph Curry get unanimous MVP? The, the, world, the finals I watched last year, there was only one unanimous MVP on the court. So you would take out Kurt Warner. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Warner, my dad's the, career the stats. The two arguments are Kurt Warner and Terrell Davis. Right. And I, you know, I don't get the Kurt Warner one. Um, it, it, the thing, I, like, I'm kind of happy with Kurt Warner because I want to go, well, then my dad should get in. Because I think my dad's has more career guards passing than Kurt Warner. Uh, he might have a few less touchdowns. You know what your dad doesn't do though? Work but, on the NFL Network. Uh, well, and and Kurt pushed. They, you know, Kurt and company. They push this. They want. I mean, my dad's never talked to anybody about trying to get him to the Hall of Fame. Most of these people are like pushing campaigning. this hard. Right. They're calling all their newspaper friends to start that campaign. Right. Um, so I yeah I'm he's one right here he's it, one that jumps out to me thirty two thousand three forty four for Kurt Warner yeah I think my dad's at thirty three and so they have the same amount of Super Bowls yeah they both won one um, but you know I mean I just don't think you can even compare the talent of people Kurt Warner threw to as compared to my dad yeah I mean Marshall and Falk Isaac Bruce Tory Holt I, I'm very surprised Antoine by Bolden, Terrell Larry Davis greatest Fitzgerald of all time. yeah I mean he's been around some of the greatest of all time why did Terrell Davis get in this year yeah I, I listen the Terrell Davis thing is again I don't I don't know if I would say he definitely gets in I will say this like basically what his career in numbers was what six years or yes. was it five or six I think it's six it's six and he basically only had he only only played three right he played. They were amazing. They were amazing. They were g- world-breaking numbers. The yes. only thing I would say to this, and I've heard my dad say this, so I'm going to steal it from him a little, but it didn't make sense. Like, Gail Sayers got it in a short career. Um, they don't win two Super Bowls probably without Terrell Davis. So those would be the arguments. Yeah. But I am with you that I don't think it's long enough sustained greatness like a lot of these guys, we're going to talk about. Like I don't think Kurt Warner is a top ten quarterback all time, and Terrell Owens is a top three wide receiver, hands down. And I, I just don't get it. It just tells you that the process is flawed, and it's become it's become more about you know what do they say like placating? Is that what I want to say? Like to the writers, and I, you have to kiss their butt, and you have to make them feel good. And I, I just all don't understand things. Terrell Owens. 
made writers' job easier. I mean, that, that's what I don't understand. Is people don't understand. So writers are humans that write stories. And if there's nothing going on, then you need to come up with ideas. So is it better to have a guy that is this lightning rod that improves readership and circulation and gets your retweets and he makes the national news and he turns you as a local reporter to a national reporter because you got to cover this guy and he does random stuff? That's good for business. If you want to go and hang out with Tony Baselli, like go for it. I just he, Terrell Owens is like top three in like every major receiving category. Yes, I mean I I don't understand it either. It's it's a it's truly a a flawed system. I mean, listen, you know what got me started was that Friday them seeing saying T O or was it Saturday, Saturday. T O. And then I, I almost lost my shit when they said Dak Prescott was the offensive rookie of the year. All right, year. so let's get into that's that where too. I was like, are you? Did we? Did I miss football this year? Because last time I checked, Dallas was a go because of Ezekiel Elliott in the run game. I love that they went up together. Yeah. I love that Zeke looked like an absolute bro in that suit. I love that he set, had the line about cutting the cord. I love that they called the offensive line the Great Wall of Dallas. I love that he took a shot, about 31 teams passing on him. I love that they didn't even go in the back. They just took the trophy and went to their seats. Right. What I learned about Dak right there was yeah. how much of a leader Dak yeah, was. Yeah, Dak is a leader. Dak handled that to a level to that... To perfectness. To perfect. Yeah, I agree. But I, I, I was shocked. There were awards that I was shocked by. That team was run through Zeke. Yes. It, it's unbelievable. And yeah. when you then you think of defensive player of the year, who was your pick? My pick well, would have been Jadevian Clowney. As was mine. You know how many votes Jadevian Clowney got for None. defensive player of the year? None. Zero. Yeah. Eric Berry got one. Sean Lee got two. Aaron Donald got three. Landon Collins got nine. Von Miller got 17. Khalil Mack got 18. Right. Jadavian Clowney who did I say didn't was even going get to a win. vote. Remember we did the thing where I said Khalil Mack. Khalil, right? Yeah. I just, you did. That was too obvious. Um, but I, I, I just need to say this so everyone realizes. Vince Wilfork said Clowney is the best defensive player on the team, including J.J. Watt. Yes. Quote, J.J. is special, but if you line up those two in a race, J.J. doesn't have a shot. And he knows that. It's just the physical attributes that Clowney has. No discredit to JJ or anything, because we all know he's the defensive player of the year, hands down one of the best. But I think nuts and bolts, Jadavian Clowney is over him because of how he built and how athletic he is. And he was the number one player on the number one defense. Yeah. I get it with Khalil Mack. I get it with Von Miller. Here's the problem. Writers are all using pro football focus. And that's how they're trying to make themselves seem smart. They are all focusing on one beat. They are not focusing on every team. Yeah. So what happens is, is they look up and they go, statistics. And then they put it into their spreadsheet and they go, he's good and he's bad. They're not fucking watching. They're not. And they vote on these things. And I used to say that these things don't matter. Until... Guess who didn't make the Hall of Fame this year? Why? Because he didn't get the first team all pro. That's what the fucked up part of this is, is they really don't matter whether or not you're a, an all-star. It really doesn't. But then when your season's over and they go, huh, how about all those Pro Bowls for, for Andy Dalton? Maybe he's going to make it. And it's like, do you realize that you're fucking us up for the Hall of Fame later? Because the Hall of Fame matters. Yeah. The Hall of Fame is a guaranteed lifetime of income after you're retired. Yeah. Because you guys 
don't know how to fucking live your second life when you get out of football. I wouldn't either. If at 32 I went from an old washed up to a young guy with no purpose in life, I'd probably fucking go nuts. So if you get the Hall of Fame, you get to wear a gold jacket, and everywhere you go, you're known as Hall of Famer Adam Lefko yes. instead of former football player Adam Lefko. Yes. Hall of Famer is like your whole life you're working in a fucking cloud. No doubt. And you get paid five to $10,000 to show up to places, and your signature is worth you're more. You're going to get a few extra hundred dollars per signature just because you can write hof but because of the stupid yearly awards <coughs> it ruins us for the hall of fame yes what did you think of keegan well well said adam by the way that was good Thanks. keegan the host oh i didn't watch the show oh i watched the show i only watched <laughs> on my phone as the i ate oreos as they the came show. as they came up it was amazing. There was one part where I, I saw the highlights think, of I, Dak and Zeke. I absolutely think that Jameis Winston doesn't know how to read. Because there was one part where the lady the the lady was like, and the winner is, and puts it in front of Jameis, and Jameis looks and squints, and then like kind of looks up, and she goes, Dak Prescott. And it was like, ah. And I was like, I don't think Jameis does can read. Jameis, well, he, remember he had the issues of looking at the signals from the sideline? Yeah. So does he need contacts or something? I don't know. Maybe he didn't uh, have them in. <laughs> Coach of the year, Jason Garrett got 25 votes. Belichick got 14. Gay, 6. Dario, 4. Jason Garrett won. Good. I was happy with yep, that. Yeah, me too. But I was just defensive player of the year, and uh, I agree. Offensive rookie of the year, I was blown away. Oh, uh, MVP. I know. He didn't get one vote. He got two. Aaron Rodgers got two? Aaron Rodgers got two he votes. Got two. He got one more than Dak Prescott. Yeah. Derek Carr got six. Right. Zeke got six. Yeah. Again, it just—it's a shame. It's like the Heisman. So, so and hold, MVP. On, hold on, hold on, hold on. So Zeke got five more votes than Dak for MVP, but Dak won Offensive Rookie of the, the year. year. The only award that Zeke won for this incredible season was the FedEx Ground Player of the Year, <laughs> which I'm sure Zeke is just going to polish that oh, trophy. I mean, and that stare is at. what you work towards. That oh is why gosh. you play. He it's, won nothing. It's crazy. I know. I he know. was the team. I give up, though. I give up trying to. But like, Aaron Rodgers won two, and Derek Carr won six. Okay. Let's look at just quarterbacks on teams that didn't really accomplish anything this year. Very good year. But I would say that Derek Carr probably won his team four or five games. Yes. And that's high. Yeah. Okay. Aaron Rodgers won his team like nine games. And we're just going off of that. Yeah. Um, and, and more I mean, important Aaron, times. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, that's the other thing. I mean, he was 90 yards away from being the leading rusher on his team. Not, al- not only the best quarterback, but also the leading rusher. That's kind of crazy. Uh, by the way, your boy Lombardi said that Garoppolo uh, is worth the 12th pick in the draft Ooh, for the Browns. Wow. He says that he's a huge fan of him. So that's the talk right now for off-season football right. is what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm. When you look at the recent trades, we have the Sam Bradford-Minnesota trade, which was desperation. Sam Bradford to Eagles trade, which was a second, fourth, and Nick Foles. The Carson Palmer trade doesn't really count because it was a six-round pick and it was weird. Yeah. And then there was the Jay Cutler double first-round pick Chicago deal back right. in the day. Uh, I've always believed that a second and a fourth or a second and a fifth will usually get you a quarterback of Jimmy Garoppolo's stature. Um, I also don't think the Browns are ready for a quarterback. That's my thing. Is like I look at the Browns like I look at the Sixers. Like People come up to me and talk about the Sixers and say, you're going to get a veteran? No, I don't want to spend money on a veteran. Right. And for what? To get the eighth seed in the playoffs? Let's try and get this whole boat to come together at the same time. Now, Garoppolo, we know how flimsy the NFL is. Yeah. And you can go from worst to first. 
I just still think the Browns are a year away of stockpiling no, to get there. Right. And so if I can use the first pick in the draft and the 12th pick in the draft on an offensive lineman, a pass rusher, a cornerback, important positions that aren't as microscopic, you could draft a left tackle at the first pick and people will forget about it, and they'll they'll focus on the quarterback. Sure. You draft a quarterback, you're you're getting on NFL Network every single no day. Um, but he says he's worth the twelfth pick. If you think the quarterback's worth it, do you trade that pick? Yeah, if you think he's worth it, I do. I mean, if you really think that that because my argument to Lombardi would but be, I don't. Yeah, his, his I, argument I was I don't think Deshaun Watson and these guys. I think he'd be better than them at twelve, and I'd say. Get out of this prisoner of the mindset of comparing available quarterbacks to quarterbacks in that draft. Right. There's going to be a draft next year. Yeah. There's going to be a draft the year after that. Right. You don't have to find your quarterback now. Yeah, but they've got to find get, something to go positive and get going because if they go 1-15, he's going to be fired. He's, they're not going to go 1-15, oh. law of averages. If you go and you build a good team and you get an average quarterback, why not improve and then give the quarterback that you eventually get a better core to go with? Now, if you think this is your only time to get Garoppolo – and you think he's the answer, then I do think he's worth the 12th pick. Yeah, I mean, the 12th seems a little high. I really think that part of the conversation has to go into the context of where you evaluate these quarterbacks coming out, too. I do think that's part of it. So that's why it's hard for me to answer because I haven't studied those guys yet. I would, If I could study those guys and you come back to me three, four weeks from now when I really get into it, then I will be able to give you better context. But my first thought is that, no, he's not worse the first Would first Jimmy Garoppolo... Pick have won them five games this past year if he was their quarterback. Because I go on the notion of thinking that the offensive line was so bad. They were bad. And that it was all that he, it, they, would, it wouldn't have been any better. And they, they screwed some games up themselves. I mean, even the game I did was the game where Terrell Pryor dropped the ball and accidentally hit a Ravens guy, and they got knocked out of field goal right, But position. they went through but like four or five they quarterbacks. They had some crazy, so just, crazy I mean, games. You could, yes. have, you could have thrown Aaron Rodgers back there, and I don't think they, they were winning. Struggled. So that's my thing is this race to get the quarterback. Yes. It's an obsession. But it's also a framing. you got to think in their mind. It's a framing of the organization. It's easy and to pitch new hope when you got a new leader. It, exactly right. I get it. And that's the, that's the thing I think coaches more than not look at is your thought's not wrong. You're, you're right in a lot of ways, but they want their players to start believing in something. And that's it. what happens a lot of the time. I where if they throw out another Josh McCown or something, they're going to go, oh, here we go again. Right. We've been down this road before. So the players can't realize that they weren't blocking well for the quarterbacks? Well, they can, but it's still a mindset. And, no, you know what? You're starting to realize because you're being around enough of these guys. Most of these guys don't have a fucking clue what's going on out there. So they yeah, just, the old linemen right. realized they didn't block for the quarterback, but the guys on defense were like, why isn't our quarterback faster? Yeah, why I mean, like, I mean I'm not going to lie. I saw my guy Devontae Freeman on Snapchat. He posted three videos in a row of a NFL Network clip of them going, man, there's Devontae Freeman again. Why didn't they give him the ball more? Man, there's Devontae. Like, he posted it three times in a Did row. Did he post him missing the block that lost the game for the Super Bowl? No, because no. It, you're right. It goes back to what you were saying. Everyone thinks these guys know what they're talking about, and they're just – they're in the zone. They're they're executing. They know what their job is. That more times than not, there's very few guys that actually know the full concept of the game. Like all my years in football, like Derek Brooks is one of the only Rondé Barber. Uh, it's a very short number of guys that actually understood offensive football. I hope, and John, defensive I hope football. John Lynch did. Or uh, he did too. He did. Because that but, would be bad for a GM. No, but it, but it is a like your Brian Dawkins, who I played with in Denver. Yeah. He got what offenses were trying to do, but it's it's a rare thing. Yeah, because my thing, if I was doing the Browns, is I would treat it 
Because Hugh was going to get a longer leash than most quarterbacks. With what they did to Chud and with what they did to Petten, the Browns were not going to move. I would treat it exactly like Belichick did that third down. Let's take a risk. Let's let's go for the pass right now because we know we got fourth down. I, so if I'm Hugh, if I don't see my quarterback out there, yeah, let's fucking get good players. Let's build a good foundation, and then let's address this next year because I know I'm getting a third year. Now, if you go one in fifteen, well, then you're really set back. Like yeah. now, like now, I get it, but I, I just. I don't know if any of these quarterbacks are the guy. Now, they're going to do their deep dive, and they're going to look into it, but they, they don't fill out of quotas. And if you have questions about Garoppolo and you don't want to make a trade with Belichick, which I get, yeah. I think it's going to happen because I think the Jamie Collins trade showed that they're willing to negotiate with the, with the, the Patriots. Yeah, sure. And they've already established that communication. Right. Um, I just, as a Cleveland guy, go, don't give up the first and 12th. You can get some like, legitimate well, different makers for your first ro- and 12th. Either one. I want, I want both. You can get like, a legitimate tackle uh, and the best pass rusher yeah, in the cause, draft. Because I, I think one of their most valuable picks, I think they have three first round picks. And, they have the first pick of the second round. Right. As we talked about before, that's practically. A first round pick. It's, and you know what? It's even. I bet you Belichick would like it more. Well, that's right. You I know why? About to go with Contract's it. not guaranteed. Well, you're exactly right. We're that's talking about the Patriots and knowing how to be frugal. This, I think the first pick of the second round is better than the, the last pick of the first round. Right. And now, with all that room they have, like we talked about with the salary cap, they, they, have a might, lot of they, might, they might not be scared to go to the 12th pick this year. But more times than not, yeah, I think he'd rather have the 33rd pick and a few extra guys down the line, whether it's the 33rd. You and know, like a fourth and a and fifth. And a fourth and a fifth. Or, you know, he the, loves those. The second and third this year and your third from next year, too. So that's where I think it can come into play. I do think that Cleveland's going to hold uh, drive a hard bargain to get the first and the 12th. I really do. Because, like I said in our video, they're not, you're not desperate at first and 12th. If you want a quarterback, yeah. you can get a quarterback in the first round at 1 or 12. There's going to be somebody there. Uh, this is like old Sims and Lefko. What are franchises doing right now? Like, uh, so Belichick was five weeks behind. So what have the other have franchises been doing for five weeks? Yeah, uh, the other five, I mean, they'd cert- a lot of them probably had like a week, maybe two weeks off to where they had to, before they had to be back in the office. But uh, right away when a season ends, like all coaches are going to evaluate their players position by position. And then they're going to go into a meeting room and evaluate how their guys did for the year and have a meeting. And the coach is going to go around, all right, running back, you know, what was your evaluation of your three running backs? In those meetings, yes. if a guy goes, you know what, Sharkandrick <laughs> West, I think he's our best back. Yeah. Is there an opportunity for the coach to be like, are you fucking kidding me? Definitely. Does that happen? Yes. Really? Yeah, it would definitely happen. Yeah. And is that when you see the running back coach move on? Yeah. Where it's like you clearly can't evaluate what that just would be, happened? If it went something that crazy, yes, you'd be like, uh-oh. He you ever really seen or heard of anything on. like that I before? can't say that I have anything that jumps out to my mind that way. Because um, it's sort of the end of the year is when everybody can like own up to everything. Yes. And like... And, yeah. and more, yeah, if, if, that, if that was your takeaway from the year where it was that off base to go, oh, this guy that's not as good, the, yeah. the coach is going to reconsider your job. Uh, so Dan Quinn fires his defensive coordinator. Does he, like, call him in? Like, we've all seen hard knocks where they call in the Turk and you go in there. Like, how does a coach fire a coach? Yeah, I, I do. I think he just calls him in and he tells him, hey, thanks for all the work you did, but we're going to go a different way and blah, 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 blah. And that's just the end of the conversation. And then a coach then goes and, like, probably texts every contact in his phone. Whoever, whoever probably, probably really calls his agent and he goes, 
you know, who are some guys out there that are looking for defensive coordinator jobs? Who are some guys that might be able to steal from another staff? Because uh, most coaches are represented by agents, and uh, they're going to have to have that conversation. Front offices are pretty much done with free agency. They've made their their all the tapes and everything, ranked their players. Yes. Now it's more about the GM and whoever else is calling the shots to rank them in their own mind and, and kind of figure out the dollar amount and draft stuff. Uh, is just starting like like the the coaches with free agency they don't have a lot of say always but what will happen was go hey Lefko like just say you're the wide receiver coach hey Lefko you know these are our five top receivers in the free agency here's here's the five Can watch you, film watch all five and tell us give us a little quick synopsis of what you think of all five and how it would fit into and our offense exactly and right and that's where the coaches come before you get to the super bowl question uh kyle shanahan not hiring an offensive coordinator going yeah. to do his play calling that's what you thought all along yeah that is what one I one of your pet peeves is always specialty coaches that go and then try to be the head coach right. todd bowles with the jets um it's mainly defensive coaches for some reason it is mainly they, defense rex coaches. ryan they go there and they stop Chuck coaching Pagano. the defense right uh yes uh, john however, didn't have an offensive coordinator however he has hired Falcons offensive assistant Mike McDaniel as their, quote, run game guru. That's his guy. Who, who is he? Mike McDaniel's been with them for a while. He, Washington, too? Yep, receiver coach. Uh, he does a lot of different things for him. But What's Kyle, a run game guru? A run game guru is probably he's going to look – he's going to be in charge of what schemes should work in the run uh, against, is this also like teaching the players? Like, yeah, he's going to be teaching the techniques of probably what they do offensive line-wise and then tr- coming up with a few wrinkles every week in the run game too. And then who the hell is Rich Scangarello as their quarterback's coach? Apparently he was on the staff and then went to Wagner College. i got to look at this guy. No, I, I can't think of him. He's also worked there? for the – no. I just oh. see Kyle's – Mug. Uh, let me see the name. Have you again. talked to Kyle at all this I, week? I haven't talked to him this week. We texted on Thursday or Saturday before the game. Uh, you haven't that, talked afterwards yet? No, we have not. Are you nervous? Um, I mean, I'm not going to call him anytime soon. You're going to let him be the one that calls? I am. He's got enough things going on in his life. Yeah, what is he doing right now? Uh, he is. He's oh, a real sex pot. Yeah, I don't, know about, I don't know a lot about Scangarello, but. I noticed his face. Scangarello sounds like a really bad Italian chocolate. Yeah, I messed with that girl, and I got Scangarello, and I don't have the right cream for it now to get it off me. I got Scangarello all over my crotch area. (laughs) (laughs) So you kind of just took my question a little bit. (laughs) Watch out for that Scangarello. I don't know what to do with that He just learned the guy's name, and he already is. is I'm going to tell him that when I see him in person. I'm going to have to look through all the (laughs) rosters. I do need to come up with an all-22 Sims pronunciation (laughs) team. I was going to ask you, you had two unique connections to the game in that your best friend is the offensive coordinator. Your bro was on the practice team. Can you humanize this week for me after a game like that? I know you said you didn't talk to Kyle. I assume you've talked to your brother. I have, yeah. Of just like, do these guys just like sit in a dark room for a week and just ponder what the hell happened to them? Devastation in Atlanta. I know Kyle's not doing that because he's moving to yeah, another Yeah, but job, it was but. devastation from Kyle, too, even from what my brother told me. I mean, yeah, they were um, in their lobby, and everybody was devastated. People were crying everywhere. It was an absolute disaster, yeah. They were truly heartbroken. I mean... Um, uh, my brother's heartbroken, and of course, he's not even nearly as emotionally invested as the guys that played in the game, like a Matt yep. Ryan or Devontae Freeman. Uh, that was a that's a tough one to swallow, and um, 
it's such a weird situation for Kyle to go through that and then ha- like reach your job yes. that you've been working your whole career towards. Yes, it is. It's kind of anticlimactic. It's a hard way to go into it. It, it is a hard way to go into it, especially when they're being you're being blamed for part of the reason yeah. bullshit. You lost. I think yeah. that's the best. That but maybe happened, it's better. So. You said that last time uh, yeah. on Monday. Yeah. Of, yeah. John Lynch not getting into the Hall of Fame and Kyle Shanahan this happening too. If I'm a Niners fan. Yeah, they're, they're not coming in as the Golden Boys. That's a very valid point. I think there is something to that, no doubt about it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can't even imagine what it's the like. The only thing that sucks yeah. is if Kyle had the ring and he walks into the locker room, that could be a power move. Yeah, it could be. Just as, like, dealing It's not going to change Kyle in any way, shape, or form. Kyle's obsessed. He's psycho. Also, Kyle, Kyle is um, he's experiencing a good luck chip, a.k.a. good luck Chuck. Tell you, man, that's the guy you want to go into after, after as a coach. Chip Kelly goes in there. It's like going in like a, a girl has a bad relationship with a <laughs> dork, and you go in there and you're like, oh my god, he did things this way. What an idiot! And they're like, oh wow, you get it. Like coming in to be the guy after Chip Kelly is the best. It's not the bad. It's not. Oh a bad wow, situation. you have multiple play calls, and you and you're not going to check our urine. But man, I just can't imagine losing the Super Bowl. I really can't. I lost one playoff game in my life. And I was, it was the first thing that I, I woke up and thought on my mind for a good two months after it. My heart would hurt every time I think about it. So to lose a Super Bowl. What else can you compare I mean, it to I, I in mean, life? Yeah, it, I w- I've said this on the radio. I mean, it, it's like your mom just died. That's what you're going to feel like. You're like, damn, my mom died. Like, But no, you lost the and game. And like little things remind you of it. Oh, my God. The other thing is this, too. If you're a football player, you probably watch SportsCenter or you're probably watching NFL Network or something. Yeah. And now you can't even watch no, that. No, you can't watch it. Right. So now you're sitting there. Let's, let's get into the mind of a football player for like a minute before we go. You're a football player. And for longer than all your friends, because they're not in the playoffs anymore, you've been able to maintain routine. Right. And routine is everything as a football player. And it's not that they hate their wives. It's not that they don't want to be around their kids. But life is very simple when you have the week-to-week routine. Yeah. Your food is ready. Your exercise is ready. You do this. You have a purpose. The number one issue that I find with people my age, so around 30, is they always go, what's my purpose? What am I going to? When you're a football player, the Super Bowl is that purpose. Yeah. It's like it's this amazing thing where everyone else in the world is trying to discover what their meaning in life is, and you, it's a trophy. Right. And that's pretty cool. Right. So then you come home, you can't watch sports. Now you got to take the kids to school. You got to do all these things that are like anti-routine and you're super into routine. Your brain's going to explode. Yes. It's uh I I I can't imagine. It's the only thing I can really it's the only it's thing a I loss. can It's a loss. It's a it's a family morning. It's a family morning, exactly right. And then the, on the other side, I mean New England. And every time you go out, you go to Starbucks and somebody goes, "Sorry, Mr. Ryan." Or, God forbid, they go, why did you not wait until the entire play clock was down and then hand you your coffee? And so, like, everywhere you go, you're you're sitting there and you're like, man, everyone knows. Yes. I still shave with the razor Matty Ice gave me last year. Do you really? <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, I was going to say that would be, like, legendary. Oh, man, that was brutal. But, hey, at the end of the day, man, this just in. <laughs> Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are fucking good, and they're not going anywhere. And they're going to be in the Super Bowl next year. So get used to it, everybody. You think so? Yes. Patriots versus Dallas. Dun, dun, dun. Only one problem. This next year is a, de- is a down year for Dallas. Next it's year. an odd year. No, yeah, they only happening. do well on even It years. ain't happening this year. Man. 
All right, Fedrick, say something to the people. Give them something to live their life by. Something to live their lives yeah, by. Yeah, like an inspirational word of wisdom. Never take your foot off the pedal. Oh, that's him. That's good. That's real good. Even if you're up 28-3, pedal to the metal, baby. Man, let's go drive a car. Okay. <laughs> it's New York. Get, for, a, for get an Uber. Peace out, homies. For Fedrick. Good night, everybody. In honor of Camille, Adam, peace. Have a good day. Bye-bye.